Good morning. Good to see everybody and those who are visiting. Thanks for coming and being with us. Hope you can come back and be with us uh, again on another occasion. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to ask uh, one of us when the service is over this morning. Glad to visit with you. Thank you, Daniel, for your songs. And uh, Colby, thank you for your comments at the table this morning. We appreciate that. Title of our lesson this morning is uh, The Waters of Mara, and that's taken from Exodus, the 15th chapter, verse 22 through 27. Exodus, the 15th chapter, and I'll show you in just a moment. Generally speaking, it's a chapter of praise, and that's, I had put those up there, Exodus 15, 1 and 2, and then verse 20 and 21. But then also there's something else that is contained there in Exodus chapter 15, and there's this complaint that is logged. It's because Israel comes to these bitter waters. And Exodus, you have to keep in mind, this is the birth of a new nation. God is leading Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and they're headed towards the promised land, that land that God had promised unto Abraham to give to his descendants. But they need to remember their past and what God has done for them. And on this journey, there are a lot of lessons for them to learn. So three of those things we want to, three points we want to take a look at this morning is confidence in God. We'll notice that first off. And then it comes time for a lesson and then how they respond or the responding to the test that God gives them. So first of all, confidence in God. As I suggested, Exodus 15 for the most part is a song of praise. I want to just point out something to you right quick so you kind of get the feel for this chapter. Exodus 15 and verse 1, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Sounds good, doesn't it? Verse 24, and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Verse 27, then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And so they camped there by the waters. Can I ask you a question? Does that sound anything like life? Does that sound anything like your life? My wife would say, yeah, sometimes that sounds like your life, my life. It's all good and singing and praising and then it's something to complain about. And then, oh, things are getting better. Isn't that amazing how that turns out? That's Exodus 15. It is praise. It is glory to God. And then something happens and they start complaining and they're ready to give up. And then at the end of the chapter, it's all good again. It's a journey, isn't it? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's saying? He was telling the church at Philippi, God's working on you. 
And what would he tell us? God's working on you. So we have to keep that in mind. I want us to give consideration to that as we take a look at this lesson this morning from Exodus, the 15th chapter. And as God is bringing Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and as they are headed towards Mount Sinai, and he's going to enter into a covenant with them, and I want to make this point. And we need to get this clear in our understanding of what God is doing with them, what God is doing with us. When he brings them to Mount Sinai, he's going to enter into a covenant with them and tell them that they should keep his commandments. Why? Should they keep his commandments so that he might bring them to freedom? They're already free. They should keep those commandments because he's teaching them to live now that they are free. Can we see that? And it's the same thing for us today. They're headed towards the promised land. But when they get there, (laughs) they need to know how to live so that they don't end up in a worse situation than they were back in Egypt. They had a taskmaster (laughs) back in Egypt. And what he wants them to understand is sin can be an even worse taskmaster. So they're on a journey with God. And they're traveling with Him. And Exodus, the 15th chapter, begins. And they are giving praises because they have just come across the Red Sea. And now they're singing praises unto God for what He has done. And what God wants them to learn on this journey is who He is. And to trust the Him. And He wants to teach them so that they come to understand who it is that they are traveling with and how he wants them to grow and how he wants to have a relationship with them and how he wants them to become what he wants them to be so that they will be the kind of influence that he wants them to have on the other nations. Keep in mind, This is a nation that is just beginning. They have been rescued. They have been brought out of bondage. And now they need to know God and they need to know His plan for them. Leviticus, the 19th chapter, about verses 1 and 2, he says, I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. They have to come to understand what that means. Over in the New Testament, 1 Peter, the first chapter Peter talking about Christians, he says the same thing. I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. He has set us free, and now this is the way we need to live. This is how we handle our freedom. Some have suggested that Exodus 15 is like an anthem of praise to God from Israel for their deliverance. And Israel sings to God. And as you take a look at Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, their hearts are full. And they are thankful. And they are singing praises. And they are thinking about, look what the Lord has done for us. And they're thinking about the Egyptians. The horse and his rider that he has thrown into the sea. That's like saying... Me and you, God. Me and you. 
We're tight. Look what He's doing for us. And at that moment in time, it's all good. You know what else is kind of interesting about this as we kind of get into it? Just a little bit of detail. They're going to go three days journey till they come to Marah. Do you remember when Moses went to Pharaoh and at first he just asked if Pharaoh would allow them to go into the wilderness to worship their God? You remember that? Exodus 5, you want to read it? How far did Moses want to go into the wilderness so that they could worship their God? He said, allow us to just go three days journey. Three days journey. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that kind of coincidental? They have been set free. They are singing praises from the bottoms of their heart. And they go three days and now they're complaining. What happened? Let me ask you this. Have you ever sent this text? (laughs) Have you ever received this text? And it goes like this. God is so good. You ever received that? Somebody said, God is so good. Or you send it to somebody. I'm telling you, God is so good. And then something happens. And it's like, wait a minute. Did God stop being good? No. He's still good. What changed? It wasn't God. It was your circumstance. God is still good. But the circumstance changed. And sometimes when the circumstances change, then our thoughts about God start to change. That's why I read to you from Exodus the 15th chapter, verses 1 and 2, and then down about the middle of the chapter, and then at the very end of the chapter. Was He good at the beginning? Was He good in the end? What happened in the middle? The circumstances changed. And so they began to complain. To Moses. And when they're complaining to Moses, they're essentially complaining about God. Three days. Did you forget about the plagues? Three days. Did you remember how Moses, by God's power, had divided the Red Sea and you had crossed over on dry ground? Three days ago, that happened. And now you come to Mara and they start to complain. Circumstances change. And so their attitudes change. If we were kind of to sum up the relationship initially between God and Israel at the first part of chapter 15, then we would say, oh, they were fully They were fully confident in God. Verse 13. 
You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear. Now they're going, others are going to hear. It. We're coming. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Are you confident? All those other nations, when they hear we're coming, they're going to run for cover. And why? Because it's, it's you, Lord. It's all about you. We have every confidence in the world in you, Lord. And the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Until he doesn't. Right? He shall reign forever and ever. Until the circumstances change. <clears throat> they were confident over their enemies. God could reign over them. But the question was, could he reign over his own people? <sighs> See, what they need to understand was very simply this. What was God doing? God had brought them out of bondage. He was taking them to the promised land. He was going to teach them how to live with this kind of freedom because He had redeemed them so that they might be an influence on other people. So what's he doing? What God is doing is saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to have confidence in me. If I tell you something, I need you to believe it and then I need you to do it. You are fully confident that God can reign over your other enemies, but can God reign over your life? We don't have time today, but do you know what comes after this in Exodus 16? That's when God is going to tell them, don't gather manna on the seventh day. I'm going to provide enough food for you in six days. Don't you gather on the seventh day. And you know what happens? They have trouble with that. They have trouble with that. And we'll do a lesson just on Exodus 16 sometime. He brought them out of Egyptian bondage. He brought Pharaoh to his knees. 
He divided the Red Sea. He delivered them. He provides food for them. He'll provide water for them. We'll get there in a moment. And yet when he says, don't gather on the seventh day, you've got plenty for, you'll have plenty six days. There's still some that want to get up in the morning and on the seventh day. What was he teaching them? Can you trust me? This is a journey. And along this journey, you need to understand who it is that you're traveling with. Secondly, so now it's time for a lesson. I'm going to read what Brian read earlier. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It was there. It says that he tested them. And he says, I am the Lord who heals you. You know the important point that they needed to realize and that we need to realize? And that if we're going to become what God wants us to become, just like what He wanted them to become, then we need to understand who does the healing and who it is that needs to be healed. (laughs) It's not the Lord. It's us. It was them. They're the ones that need to be healed. When God calls us, we oftentimes readily say, oh, we're not full-grown, mature Christians the moment we come up out of the water. We are babes in Christ. But beyond that, you know what we are? We are broken individuals. And God needs to heal us. Now, depending on what translation you're reading from there, in verse 26, where it says, I am the Lord who heals you, that name is Jehovah Rophe. And it means, I am the God who heals. We'll do it one of these days. We can't do it all the way through the Old Testament, but in the early parts of the Old Testament, God introduces himself by names. And each one of those names tells you something about Him. And in this particular instance, this is where it's first introduced that He is Jehovah Rophe. And when they come to these waters, 
and they cry out and they complain. And he tells Moses to take this tree and throw it into the water that it's made sweet that they might be able to drink. And then he says, I am the God who heals water. I'm the God who heals you. So what's God doing? (laughs) He's teaching them. They need to trust in Him. And He's not the one that needs to be healed. He's the one who heals. And they are the ones who need to be healed. Jehovah Prophe. You know why that is? That they need to be healed like we need to be healed. Because if we're not healed, you know what we're most likely to do? We'll do the very same things we've always done. And do you know your past can be a real problem? Have you ever heard the definition of insanity? (laughs) Remember what it is? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And so God wants to heal them. He wants to heal us. So that we don't keep making those same mistakes over and over and over again. The Ten Commandments that He gives is to help them to know how to live and to avoid the mistakes that they've made in the past and to be a witness to other nations. This is the way it can be when there's a group of people who will listen to God and trust Him with their lives. And He reigns over them. You know, sometimes you go to the doctor. Reluctantly. (laughs) I do. But you go. And they may have to run some tests to find out what the problem is. They start off singing. God knows these people. And they're singing praises. And God's going, yep, today you're singing. Let's see how much singing you're doing three days from now. We're going to run a little test. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let these folks get thirsty. Let's see how they respond when they get thirsty. Now I read to you just a moment ago from from Exodus 15. And then we read verses 13 through 18. And it's all full of praise, isn't it? And it's full of confidence. And the Lord is the strength. And He is my salvation. 
text, God is so good. And then circumstances change. I'm thirsty. Now, if you had all that confidence in God previously, and now you've run into this challenge, what do you think the response should be? He divided the Red Sea. I just need a drink. What do you think I ought to do? I got an idea. Let's complain. How about this? Let's pray. He's the strength. He's the salvation. He can triumph over your enemies. Do you believe that? See, what God does is He uses physical things to help us understand spiritual things. God had triumphed over their enemies. Do we face any enemies today? Yeah. And when we run into those challenges, and we run into those enemies that are trying to destroy us, What should the response be? I'll complain. That'd be more like me. What you ought to do is pray. So God runs the test. Three days ago, you said I was the greatest thing ever. So now I'll let you get thirsty. Now what do you think? The result was they're ready to end the whole relationship, aren't they? Isn't that what happens in a couple of more chapters when they're camped at Mount Sinai and Moses goes up on the mountain and he takes just a little bit longer than what they think he should take? Let's build a golden calf. And this is the God that delivered us. They're ready to end that relationship. Let's move on to the next one. Does that ever happen? They should pray to the one who provides the water. What were they seeing? The same thing that we often see. We see circumstances. Don't we? We see circumstances. When we ought to see the God who can help us through those circumstances. They did not yet understand. James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4. We've talked about this before, right? Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect result that you might be made complete, lacking in nothing. You might be made mature. You might be healed so that you can handle what life throws at you. And not make the same mistakes again. 
difficulties. This is what's difficult. <laughs> difficulties are opportunities to show where your real trust confidence is. And if God maybe wants to heal you. But it's a journey. And Paul told the church at Philippi, I'm fully confident that the one who started this work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. He won't give up on you. So what's that say? Don't give up on Him. Do you know that trials can make or break relationships? Trials can actually make relationships stronger. Know that? Now most of you know I come from a large family, right? Living on the farm. You know, farm life can be very challenging, very difficult at times. And when you've got as many kids as we, my mom and dad had, it, that just makes it even more challenging. But you know, some people say that when you farm for a living, you're a professional gambler. <laughs> and that's kind of the way it is, because you never know what weather's going to bring, right? You put a crop in the ground and you're hoping things grow, but it doesn't always happen. You put livestock out in the pasture and you hope they stay healthy, <laughs> but they don't always happen. Sometimes crops fail. Sometimes livestock dies or wild animals get them. Sometimes that bunch of kids you're raising they get sick. Some of them get in car wrecks. Sorry, brother. <laughs> Do you know all that costs money? And that can make things real difficult. Two people in a relationship trying to eke out a living and you run into all kinds of difficulties and there were times when it was really challenging what if my dad had said to my mom so Wesley comes to Doris said Doris we got all kinds of problems but I think I've got a solution. What's your answer? What's the solution? Let's get a divorce. <laughs> that fixes nothing. And yet sometimes that's exactly what we do spiritually. You know that? We're faced with all kinds of challenges and difficulties. Yesterday, God was good. Today, I'm done with it. 
You know what I? Did that fix anything? It didn't fix anything. You just gave up on the relationship. That's all. How quickly they forget their past. How quickly they forget the promises to Abraham. And it was passed down to Isaac and Jacob. How quickly they forgot how they even ended up down in Egypt. How quickly they forgot that they'd been delivered from Egypt. And all the things that God had done. And yet when they get thirsty, instead of praying, they decided it would be best to complain. You know what they needed to understand? God was not the one being tested. <laughs> they were. God's the one that never changes. We do. Do you know in times gone by, when societies in our society actually had a gold standard you know what some people would do that were a little less than scrupulous? They would take lead, pour gold over it, stamp it, and then it's sold by weight. So you're getting a little bit of gold and you're getting a lot of lead. It looks good on the outside, but it's worthless on the inside. So you know what people used to do in order to test it to see if the coin that they was getting was actual real gold? They would bite it. Bite it. The way they could tell. Whether it was authentic or not. God is solid gold. Right? But sometimes... We can sing praises and we can talk about the Lord and it looks like we're good as gold. That it? And then something bites you and you find out what's inside. Okay? So that's what he did. We'll just put a little bite on these people. And see what happens. And what he did. He found out. That their praise. Was real fragile. And that their faith. It was young. And it was weak. But God wasn't going to give up on it. God wanted to strengthen them. And so he would continue. He would continue to work with them. God wanted them to come to have trust, confidence, faith in him. 
So how does God want us to respond? Well, first of all, the test, just like when you go to the doctor, helps reveal where the problem is. And so as we look around in society today, wouldn't you say it's just a little bit broken? A lot broken? And individuals are broken? And Isaiah says, We like sheep have all gone astray. Romans 3 and verse 23, Paul says, For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all got this disease called sin. But we've also got something else. We've got Jehovah Rophe. And that's in our favor. So you take a look around at individuals, you take a look around at society, and you see the violence, and you see the broken homes. And that's the symptom. And what lies underneath is a lack of trust, confidence, faith in God. So he wants us to see our need, first of all. And then secondly, he wants us to admit that God has the answer. See, physically, he brought them to that point where they were thirsty. Do you think we are spiritually thirsty today? I just don't know how much more thirsty we have to become before we're ready to go to the source that can satisfy that thirst. It can happen with individuals. It can happen with families. It can happen with societies. So when Moses cried out to God, then God gave him the answer. He said, take this tree and throw it in the water. There's another tree. It's a cross. And that's what he wants us to look to. Because that's where we find the answer. And he wants us to recognize that. He wants us to show our trust and faith in him by doing what he says. I want to pause just for a second. I think you've heard me reference this a number of years ago. There was a organization that started and it was called Promise Keepers. Remember that? Yeah. And people recognized within our country recognized that there was a breakdown in the home and with fathers and husbands. And so they started Promise Keepers and then they would fill these stadiums and they did it out of Arrowhead and tell men to come and it was Promise Keepers and try to get them to make this commitment to this I'm going to be, you know, like 
I should be as far as husband, father, and all these kind of things. And I said, I was invited, and I think I told you, I said, that, that's, that's what we do every Sunday. We are in a covenant with Jesus Christ. And He tells us how we should live. This is the promise keeper. I don't need that. And glory to God, if I do this, isn't that the way it should be? So our society right now is all fragmented. And everybody's at each other's throats. So I saw the other day, there's these three actors, I'm not even going to name them. I don't want to name them. They said, we're going to get together and we're going to do this video on kindness. I thought, well, isn't that interesting? For how long has Hollywood put out nothing but violence? And now all of a sudden, here we come riding in on a white horse. We're going to put out a video about kindness. I want to send them a tweet. You're a little tardy to the party. (laughs) Because our Lord said it a long time ago. Matthew 7 and verse 12. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Okay? You think he needs Hollywood? The only way he needs Hollywood is if they're going to put out a film that says that. Hey, we're late. <laughs> Sorry, we just showed up. He's the one that can heal us. Exodus 15 begins with praise. And then bitter water reveals the challenge. Will you stay with him? Jehovah Rophe would heal them, but he can only heal those who trust him. But we need to understand today, he's still Jehovah Rophe. Want to extend the invitation? To any and all that are here, If we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord and if that's your desire today, please let us know while together we stand and while we sing.